You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from His Word today. So as we preached on our redemption last week, this week I want to preach on how are we redeemed. Last week was on what redemption is. This week is all about how we can be redeemed. It says here in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, I'll read only one verse, and this, this pains me to do this, believe me. But for time's sake, I'll read just one verse. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, by Jesus' shed blood, he entered once, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I am so thankful that my redemption in Christ is not a temporary redemption based upon my performance, but it's redemption that is based solely in the shed blood of Christ on Calvary's cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word today. Uh, help this preacher to communicate the truths concerning the blood of Christ to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me ask you a question. I'd like to do this before we begin our messages, just to get you to think in the right direction. But the question I'd like to ask you today is, why did Christ come to this earth? Why did Christ come to this earth? Well, the Bible clearly answers that in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. I'm going to directly quote the Apostle Paul. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. Jesus Christ came to this earth for one sole purpose, and that was to redeem mankind from their sin. How did he accomplish this? To this question, the Bible is also very clear. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Redemption is found in Christ, in Christ alone, and his sacrificial death on Calvary. The Bible says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver or gold, from your vain conversation or manner of life received by the traditions of your fathers, those religious, tradi religious traditions never saved a soul, never redeemed a person. That's not how we were redeemed. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb, as a sacrificial lamb without blemish and without spot. The Bible says to pastors, feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, say it with me, cleanses from all sin. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I could go on and on and on for the rest of the hour this morning, quoting scriptures that tell us that it's only through Christ shed blood on Calvary that our sins could ever be forgiven. Why is God so obsessed with blood? Have you ever thought about that? I like what one preacher said one time. He said, every time you turn a page of Scripture, it bleeds. And he's absolutely right. God is obsessed with blood. And like it or not, the Bible is a very bloody, bloody book. From the very beginning to Genesis to the very end of the Revelation, there is blood spilt throughout the Scriptures. Let me give you just a, a couple of examples to lay this down in your mind. Let's go back to the very first chapters of the book of Genesis. What do we find there? We find the fall of man and God himself having to sacrifice an animal and then taking the skins of that animal and covering the shame and the nakedness of Adam and Eve. The first blood sacrifice was offered by God himself for the sins of Adam and Eve. After that, we find the deliverance of the Hebrew children as they, for 490 years, had been in captivity to Egypt. There they were slaves and mistreated. And you know the story. And Jewish people celebrate that deliverance today through the Passover. But God instructed them just before he delivered them and set them free, that they would take the blood of a sacrificial lamb and they were to slay that lamb as a sacrifice to God. And they were to take the blood of that lamb and they were to put it upon the post of their doorhouse and they were to put it across the lintel of their door and then they were to enter in. And as they entered in under the blood, that night the death angel would pass by. But for every one that had entered in under the blood that was in that home that was protected by the shed blood, when the death angel saw that blood, the death angel would pass over that home and the firstborn would not die. We sing that song, when I see the blood, I will what? I will pass over you. So a spotless lamb had to be sacrificed and its blood had to be applied. Shortly after that, God, through Moses, instituted a law concerning sacrifice. That unblemished lambs were to be sacrificed yearly for the sins of the people and he established what was called the Day of Atonement. This was of utmost importance. Are you all with me? This was of utmost importance. They would take the blood of those sacrificial lambs and the priests would then sprinkle that blood upon the altar and then all around the altar as an atonement for the people's sins in order to bring people into a right relationship with a holy God. 
I'm just here to tell you that throughout the Bible, we have blood that had to be shed. Yes, the Old Testament is, is bloody. But all those Old Testament sacrifices, according to the book of Hebrews, pointed to the one and ultimate sacrifice, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. They were all a type of what Christ would do as the Lamb of God, spilling his blood on the cross for my sin and your sin. They had to repeat those sacrifices every year, but the Bible said he died once having obtained eternal redemption for us. Christ came to this earth to save sinners. He was the spotless, the sinless, the sacrificial Lamb of God who endured, listen to me, church, he endured a horrific mutilation on the cross. But it was a once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of my sin and of yours. When John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, saw Jesus Christ coming from a distance, he said to his people, Behold, say it with me, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. That was a revolutionary thought. Because up to that time, sin was never taken away. It was covered, it was atoned for, but it was never taken away. Only the blood of Christ could wash away sin once and for all. You know, the sinlessness of Christ is found throughout the scriptures. Only because he was the spotless, the sinless, could he be the sacrificial lamb. The Bible says he did no sin. Hello? He did no sin. He knew no sin, and in him was no sin, but he became sin for us. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He was in all points tempted like as we are tempted, yet he was without sin. And we know that he was manifest to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. Pilate, after scourging and examination of Christ, after all the false witnesses had come and were trumped up against him, Pilate had to be honest and say, I can find absolutely no fault in this man. I want to tell you something. You don't have to look far to find fault in this man. And I don't have to look far to find fault in every one of you. We're good fault finders, aren't we? Dr. DeHaan wrote this book. He was a Christian doctor. And I want to read to you just a couple, and you need to stay with me, because a lot of times when I do stuff, I don't do things like this very often because I end up losing a lot of you. Okay? But I really want you to listen to this concerning the blood of Christ from a doctor's perspective. The Bible teaches that Jesus was a sinless Man, While all men from Adam to the present day are born with Adam's sinful nature and therefore are subjects to the curse and eternal death, the man Jesus was without sin and therefore deathless 
until he took the sins of others upon himself and died their death. Now, while Jesus was of Adam's race, according to the flesh, yet he did not inherit Adam's sinful nature. This alone will prove that sin is not transmitted through the flesh. It is transmitted through the blood, not the flesh. And even though Jesus was of the seed of David, according to the flesh, this could not make him a sinner. God has made of one blood all the nations of the earth. Sinful heredity is transmitted through the blood, not through the flesh. Even though Jesus therefore received his flesh, his body from a sinful race, he could still be sinless as long as not one drop of blood of the sinful race entered his veins. God must find a way whereby Jesus could be perfectly human according to the flesh and yet not have the blood of sinful humanity in him. That was solved by the virgin birth. It is now definitely known that the blood which flows in an unborn baby's arteries and veins is not delivered from the mother, but is produced within the body of the fetus itself only after the introduction of male sperm. The unfertilized egg cell can never develop blood since the female egg does not by itself contain the elements necessary for the production of blood. It is only after the male element, the sperm, has entered the cell that blood can develop. Blood can never develop until the male sperm has been united with the female egg. That's when you become a living soul. The male element has now added life. It has added blood to the fetus. Life is in the blood. The rest of my message is going to be about this. Life is in the blood according to the scriptures. It was Moses that said, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, for it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Since there is no life in the egg until the male sperm unites with it, and the life is in the blood, it follows that the male sperm is the source of blood, the seed of life. Think it through. For this very reason, it is unnecessary that a single drop of blood can be given to the developing embryo in the womb of the mother. Such is the case according to science. The mother provides the unborn developing infant with all the nutrients for building of that little body in the secret of her womb. But all the blood which flows in that little body is formed in the embryo itself and is only a result of the contribution of the male parent. From the time of conception to the time of birth, the infant is, there's not one single drop of blood ever passes from the mother to the child. All the blood which is in the child is produced within the child itself as a result of the introduction of male sperm. The mother contributes no blood at all to the child. The virgin birth. Very interesting that Satan attacks the virgin birth. 
But Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. And the angel said unto Mary, Thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means Savior. Then Mary said unto the angel, How can this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angels answered unto her and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, that what? Holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Apostle Peter says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. When was the last time you considered the preciousness of that sinless blood of Christ that was shed for you on the cross? But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, and without spot. My dear church people, Jesus was the Passover lamb. He was that sacrificial lamb. As Israel was delivered from bondage in Egypt, and that's what it means to be redeemed, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, it means to be set free from slavery, from the bondage and the penalty of our sin. Jesus, by faith, by faith in his shed blood, God has given us redemption. Did it take faith for them to apply the blood and then enter in and believe that that blood would protect them? It's the same thing when it comes to Christ. You have to believe that his sinless blood shed on Calvary paid the full price. You were bought with a price. The blood of Christ paid the price for your redemption now we can say O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory i want you to understand something here today the grave has no victory over this guy right here why because i have been cleansed through the blood of the lord jesus christ so i want to ask you again why is god so obsessed with blood i had to think about that Blood, blood, blood. You know why God is so obsessed with blood? Because we have a God who is obsessed with life. When we think of blood, see how skewed our thinking is? When we think of blood, what do, you, what, what do we think of? Death. When we think of blood, the first thing that comes to our mind is death. But when God thinks of blood, the first thing that comes to his mind is not death, but life. The Bible says, in him was life. He said, I have come that ye might have what? Life. God is obsessed with life. And because he is obsessed with life, he is obsessed with with blood. Leviticus chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11 through verse 14. Are you still with me? You can turn there if you want and follow along. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 through verse 14. 
God is obsessed with blood because he is obsessed with life. Life is in the blood. How are we redeemed? Through the blood of Christ. You can still hear those pages turning. All right, you all need to get your cell phones out and say, Hey Siri, where is Leviticus? All right. For the life, the life, not death. For the life of the flesh is in the what? God is obsessed with blood because he's obsessed with life. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for souls. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. Don't save it. Don't make it into blood soup. Don't turn it into blood pudding. He said, for it is the what, church? Life. When we think of blood, we think of death. When God thinks of blood, he thinks of life. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, ye shall eat the blood, excuse me, ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off, or literally put to death. When I was in the Philippines and I saw them save the blood of the pig, and I saw them take it over and they started cooking it and turning it into a, a blood type of soup. I said to Pastor, no, no, throw that stuff away. <laughs> he said, Brother White, we're not under the law anymore. We're going to eat it. There, Pastor Nono and I had a little discussion because you go into the New Testament and even into the New Testament, you know what it says? Don't eat blood. God was very concerned about this. Because God wanted us in our mind to picture blood as that which gives life. Uh, I guess I'm asking a lot of questions today. But what's the number one reason for death? What's the number one reason for death? Your heart stops beating. That's why I got a doctorate degree. <laughs> it has always been the number one cause of death. Your heart stops beating and you die. Why? Because no longer is the life blood pumping through your body. Do you know blood is what carries oxygen to the billions of cells that you have in your body? It keeps them all alive. Blood supplies your brain and your heart. 
with all the nourishment it needs to function. And mine needs a little bit more nourishment. Blood carries carbon dioxide and other waste to your digestive system, which then causes it to be removed from your body and keeps your body clean and pure. Without blood, you couldn't keep warm. Without blood, you couldn't keep cool. Without blood, you couldn't fight infection. Without blood, you couldn't even get rid of your own waste. Life is in the blood. Additionally, the, the very person that you are, you know, now we hear a lot about DNA. I actually did take my cell phone and say, Siri, what does DNA mean? And she read off these great big long words that I lost my doctorate degree right there. <laughs> All I can tell you about DNA is your DNA makes you who you are. It's your very identity. Your very identity is found in your blood. The Bible teaches that blood is equated with life and not death. Listen to the words of the Lord. Now, don't mistake this. He's, he's bringing forth symbolism here. Now, a lot of churches, Catholic church, some Lutheran churches, have taken this passage and they've, they've corrupted what Jesus was saying. But it says in John chapter 6, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... Ye have no life in you. Unless you drink my blood. Life is in the blood. Unless you drink my blood. You have no life in you, says the Lord Jesus. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. So Catholicism and Lutheranism has taken this and said, that is how you receive Christ. You receive him as the, the, the bread is blessed and the, the wine is blessed at the Eucharist or, or the Lord's table. And, and then you actually receive, when you drink it in, you are literally drinking in the blood of Christ. That's not what Jesus is saying. That would be cannibalistic. Yes or no? What Jesus was referring to was literally by faith... Receiving him through what he's done on his death on the cross and shedding his blood by putting your faith in that and that alone. You're receiving it. You're taking it in. You're eating it. That truth. That is what brings redemption to a person's soul. So the Bible teaches that blood is not equated with death, but it does say there is something that is equated with death. How many know what that is? What does the Bible say is equated with death? S-I-N. Sin is equated with death, not blood. The Bible says death, death has passed upon all men, for all have what? That sentence of death 
has passed upon every one of us. Because every one of us have sinned. The wages of sin is what, church? Death. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Romans chapter 5 tells us the progression. The Bible says, nevertheless, death. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Started out with the fall of man, started out with Adam, went all the way up to Moses, and has gone all the way from Moses to the very present, to the today. Death has passed upon all men. Therefore, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. You know why death entered into this world? Not because of blood. Death entered into this world because of sin. And I want you to understand, listen to me, blood is the antidote to that. It is only when, it is only when, please stay with me. It is only when Christ's blood is applied to our lives by faith that that death sentence that is passed upon all of us is reversed. And this is what is so amazing. This is what is so amazing about the shed blood of Christ is that we see blood as death. God sees it as life. When we accept it as life, we are moved from death into life. It's a miracle. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and that's what you're hearing today. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Give me a hallelujah there. How were we able to pass from that death sentence to a life sentence of eternity with God? Through faith in his blood. In him was life. I am the resurrection and the life. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. You hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Life is in the blood. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. I love this verse. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There's not one person here today under the hearing of my voice that cannot be made alive, that cannot move from death unto life if you'll put your faith in the shed blood of Christ on the cross for your sin. I believe this, that equating Equating blood with life will change your whole view of the scriptures and God. You'll read the scriptures in a whole different way and you will come up saying his blood's precious. It's precious, valuable, costly, highly esteemed. You know, we sing many songs. Kiefer sang a song about the blood today. We sing the songs, Are You Washed in the Blood? I was going to sing a few of these for you, but...
time won't let me and no one has ever asked me to sing. <laughs> so I guess I should move on. But we sing these songs, what can wash away my sin? What? You know what? We just sing them. We sing at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride. We sing at the cross, at the cross. Calvary covers it all. Jesus paid it all. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. The old rugged cross. There is a fountain filled with blood. There is power, power, power in the blood. We sing these songs, but you know what? I think we sing them. And yes, we may be even singing them from our heart, but it's really not sinking in of how precious the blood of Jesus is. It's so precious, it is the only thing that can forgive man of their sin and take them to heaven to be with God. Make no mistake about it, God is obsessed with blood. Have you noticed something? And that is, now that the church has become more modern, more up-to-date, you know, we're more with it now, that this liberal mindset and this contemporary thought has almost completely done away with the preaching of the blood of Christ. You are very hard-pressed to find a church today that preaches about the blood of Christ and why the blood of Christ is necessary for our salvation. They skirt the issue. They don't deal with the topic. They avoid preaching on it altogether. You say, Pastor, how come so often you come out to preach against liberalism in our churches and you come out to preach about this contemporary movement that's just sweeping into it? You know why? Because they're preaching a false gospel. The Bible said, if any man preach any other gospel than that which I preached unto you, let him be accursed. The gospel message has not changed. You cannot drain the blood out of the gospel. Today, the gospel message that's being preached in the vast majority of our churches is this is the gospel message today. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have everything that this world has to offer you. God wants you to be successful. I'm here to tell you that health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is taking more people to hell than any false gospel that's ever been preached in the world. And it's being preached the majority of our churches today. You know what the gospel is? Christ died for my sin. He shed his blood. Christ died for my sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What is the gospel? Christ died for my sin according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's where my salvation lies. It's not in a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. 
remember reading back when we were praying about starting a Christian school. I thank God for a Christian school. Thank God for the Pierces. Thank God that I'm not here every day. So the kids still love me when I do happen to walk in and the kids all run up and they hug me and they love all over me and they stick their tongue out at Mr. Pierce. No, they don't stick their tongue out at him. I'm just kidding. But I said to these kids, man, if I was here with you every day, you wouldn't be loving me so much. I thank God for a Christian school and so I, I talked to a lot of preachers about having a Christian school. One thing every single preacher said to me, don't, don't open it up to the community. We did that. It was a disaster. Keep it among your own people. Okay, I took that counsel. So I began to read a little bit about some different pastors who had Christian schools and the horrors of the Christian school. We don't have those, praise the Lord. But just the flack that pastors would receive from parents from the Christian school... One pastor talked about how one parent was just so irate because they were teaching in their school the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And when their kids came home, their kids were so upset and they went to bed and they had a nightmare that night about Jesus dying on the cross. And so they came back and said, we don't want any more teaching about the crucifixion of Christ because it so upset our children. I want to tell you something that should upset us. What an opportunity those parents just had to lead their children to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Others of you, sometimes wonder why I just believe that this good old King James Bible is the only preserved and perfect word of God for us. Why can't we just Why can't we just take in all these other modern versions? You know why? I'll give you one reason why. In so many of these new versions, the blood of Jesus Christ is under attack. Let me me just give you an example from one modern version. It says, and you tell me if this reads correctly, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Is that correct or false? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now that is a true statement. But they left something out. What did this version of the Bible leave out? The blood. This is how the Bible reads. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. I'm here to tell you as we wrap this whole thing up today. Satan hates the blood. He hates preaching about the blood. He hates teaching about the blood. He has an all-out assault and attack upon the blood. And you want to know why? Because the Bible said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. He hates the blood because it was the very blood of Christ. Genesis 3.15, that prophecy... That it was Christ when he shed his blood. He crushed the head of the serpent at the cross. Colossians 1, 13-14. Listen as I read. I'm almost done. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. 
and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, but it doesn't stop, in whom we have redemption through his blood. You know what delivered us from the power of darkness? It was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through verse 15. And you being dead in your sins, death associated with sin, and uncircumcised in your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way. Praise God, he nailed it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I am now no longer under the condemnation of the law. All of my guilt, all my condemnation, all my sin, all my transgression of the law was nailed to Calvary's cross. And when Jesus bled all over that condemning document, I believed that that would set me free. And you know what? It did. It did. And I, now, I no longer stand before God as a condemned sinner. I stand before God as a sinner who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's why Satan hates the blood. I was going to read each verse to go along with this, this but um, I can't. The Bible says we were redeemed through the blood, we were forgiven through the blood, we were justified by the blood, we were washed in the blood, we were generated by the blood, we were made nigh to God by the blood, we're sanctified by the blood, reconciled to God by his blood, we are cleansed by his blood, we have peace with God through his blood, even our sinful conscience is purged by his own blood. We have been bought with a price which is his own blood, and Christ's blood has become our atonement. Life is in the what? Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you see why he hates the blood? For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, the Lord Jesus, himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil, and delivered them. I'm going to say delivered me who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. You want to, you, listen, you want to get honest. Are you afraid to die? I'm telling you, get honest. Are you afraid about the unknown? I've told you before, I have no fear of death. God has removed the fear of death. Sometimes I fear the process. I don't want to suffer any more than any of the rest of you want to suffer, but I don't fear death. When our Savior became sin for us, who knew no sin, and went through that horrific mutilation on the cross, Listen to what the Bible says happened to him. It says, As many as were astonished at thee, people stood in astonishment of the brutality. His visage, we would say his face, right? His visage, his appearance, his face 
was marred more than the, more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. You know what the Bible tells me about the death of my Savior, your Savior? He was so beaten and abused. We don't even have time to go through the description of the crucifixion. But when you, when you were to look at Jesus, you would not even recognize him as who he was when he hung on that cross. Can you imagine his mother Mary at the foot of the cross looking up at her son and not even being able, she knew it was her son, but not even being able to recognize him because of what he went through for you and me. In all the motion pictures that you've ever seen, that event right there is a very gory event. Wouldn't you agree? But when God looked down from heaven, God didn't see a gory event. The Bible said he saw a sweet-smelling savor. Because when God looked down and saw his son hanging between heaven and earth and shedding his blood, my God saw life. Not death. Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Shed for many. Because there's some who will not believe. Many have, many will not. I wonder if you're here today and you don't know if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. I want to tell you something. If I was yours, when this invitation is given, I would come right up here as fast as I could, fast as I could get out of where I'm sitting. I would come up here. I would bow my knee before the God of heaven, and I would say, I accept your sacrifice for my sin. I believe Jesus died and shed his blood for my sin. God, give me life. And that sentence of death will be removed from you. You know what that sentence of death is? It's what the Bible calls hell. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.